What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Triple H Podcast. Happy Hour Hoops. Post-Thanksgiving, hope everyone had a good turkey day. But we are back to talk NBA. Steve, Jake, Dunny here as always. What's going on, guys? We were just talking. We got a full NBA slate tonight. News and notes to get to and talk about a whole bunch of shit. I feel like the yeah. NBA has shifted wildly in that the past week we took off for Thanksgiving. Naturally. What do you guys think? Yeah. A lot happened in the past two weeks. I mean, we've seen a couple players that we didn't really think we're going to have big roles step up huge these past couple of weeks. There's been a giant injury bug that's hit the NBA, unfortunately, yeah. and it continued the past couple nights as well. It's been unfortunate. And then last night, Donnie, I was treated to the Stevie NBA Finals between the Warriors and the Mavs. Oh Luca yeah. and Curry trading buckets. Luca with a 40-point triple-double. I mean, that was the perfect way to come back into a Triple H podcast is to watch that game, be able to talk about that a little bit. I'm sure you're going to be excited to talk about your Celtics, who I looked it up, Dunny. Right now, they have the best offensive rating of all time. Not not all not time, the yeah. best offensive rating this year of all time. So I'm sure you're excited. And as you know, Rob Williams getting close as well. Yeah, so we got a lot thoughts. to talk about today. We got a lot. Some some bad, you know, with the injuries, but a lot of good, a lot of good topics to discuss. Yeah. Let's jump in the news and notes. You kind of um, started us off there. Warriors Mavs last night was incredible. You mentioned the Luka triple-double. I actually saw in a press conference afterwards, Jason Kidd said he was a little bored of Luka's triple-doubles. He wanted to see him do something else. <laughs> yeah. It's just a regular for him now, which is – it's crazy. I saw um, Luka has five 40-point triple-doubles already yeah. this season, and the rest of the NBA only has one. He's so. – I mean, he's been <laughs> – He's been insane. His numbers are crazy. He's finally starting to shoot the three ball a little bit better. And what's yeah, hilarious is that came from start to finish. And I believe it was the third quarter, the commentators were like midway through the third quarter, they're like, oh, by the way, he was at the line. They're like, by the way, Luca's putting up the quietest 32, 10, and 8 like uh, line <laughs> right now. And I was like, he has 32, 10, and 8? It's like third quarter, six mm-hmm. minutes to go. And he's gotten to that point where he's putting up such ridiculous numbers with ease that we're not even noticing it. Where I'm like, oh yeah, Luca. Like the first half, I'm like, yeah, Luca played an all right, like all right first half. And I checked the box score, and I think he had 19, like eight rebounds and like five assists. And it's just like it's yeah. become an every night occurrence for him. And I hope the Mavs can build a better roster around him. It's neither here nor there. They took, I guess, a step in the right direction, get a Kemba, right? I think that's yeah. that should help a little bit. If, we'll if he see. can play, if he can play, yeah, yeah, we'll see. At least they're trying to get new pieces around him. Well, you look at the numbers right now. What Luke has been doing has just been absurd. He's finally starting to shoot the ball a lot better. As you look at the threes, the three pointing per- percentage started at like twenty percent, like the first I think ten games this year. He's getting closer to the forty percent range, is where you want to be for Luca. Yeah, look but at I those mean, last these five are, games. Thirty-eight. These are video game numbers. These are video yeah. game numbers. I thirty. Four nine and nine essentially. Oh man, something I mean, else, something else last night too is the four steals. 
I know, yeah. I know, I know. Luca gets uh, a bad rep for for his defense, which I think rightfully so. But let's let's not talk about you know on ball defense and getting blown by occasionally as all of defending because it's the same reason Luca's so good under the basket making passes. He just has a great knack for the basketball. He is such an underrated off ball defender. I think two of his Agreed. four steals were on inbounds plays that the ball wasn't going to the person he was defending and he just swooped in and got his hand in the passing lane. That's that's yeah. an underrated form of defense and a very a very good form of defense that a lot of players can't really perfect and it seems like just this year he's increased in that role a lot. Um, so the four steals were, were kind of the cherry on top last night for me. You said the improved three-point shooting. I agree. That's got to be there if you know if he wants to stay in this MVP race and keep the Mavs where they're at. But the defense, too, is one, something I didn't think he had as much of. And he's clearly showing it now. So I think he's still going to get attacked and maybe um, singled out when you have a guy like Steph or a guy like Durant yeah. or – just someone that can attack and drive by him. I think that will continue to happen, but you know, he's at least putting up the numbers there too, which is something that really the only negative people have had on him in the past. Yeah. I mean, the steals have been very encouraging. I think he's averaging 1.8 steals a game, which is huge for him. Almost average two steals a game. And you brought it up, Donnie. It's, it's all been kind of off ball, just getting in the passing lanes. He just has such a great awareness of where everyone is on the court at all times. He's finally starting to take play a little more aggressive, take chances on the defensive end of the court. And he's, is getting these steals. And what I will say is he's not a great on ball defender, but he's been a lot more physical down low, both offensively and defensively. Yeah. And that's, I think been one of the biggest improvements in his game that not a lot of people are going to talk about, right? Cause anyone can read a box score and be like, Oh, Lucas putting up these jaw dropping numbers night in night out, which he is. And I'm not taking that away from him, but from my like side of it, I think what Lucas really improved on is both how he's kind of, offensively and defensively became more physical down low. He's getting a lot more and ones. He's getting a lot more, you know, when a smaller defender's on him, just getting his body into him, getting easy looks. And then on the defensive side, he's not letting people back him down right now. You can still kind of blow by Luca from time to time, but he's been a lot better defensively as well down low. And that's really what the Mavericks need. If you have a generational talent superstar like him, the offense is always going to be there. But I think to your point, Donny, it's been great to see an improvement with the steals. He is getting those numbers with the steals, but his defense overall, I think, has improved leaps and bounds from last year. And that's a very, very encouraging sign. Yeah. And I know we brought up Kemba here, and it's kind of like – I feel like it's something like you kind of laugh off, especially because <laughs> – on the broadcast, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to Kemba, but on the broadcast last night, Stan Van was like, "So I don't, I don't know if this is an exact quote, but something on the logs of like, along the lines of they need a third scorer." I think it was like Luca, Christian Wood, maybe he said was the second guy, which is yeah. crazy that that's that that's basically their second fiddle they right now. Start him, <laughs> yeah. They should start Christian Wood. And then he was like, can Kemba be that third guy? No, I think all three of us are will realize pretty quickly that Kemba won't be their third scoring option, or at least yeah. we hope, unless he has this huge resurgence. But I think Kemba can be a good addition to this team. I was, I was just wondering your guys' thought on the, that. I know we have it in the, the news and notes here, too. Like, I don't think he can play at the level Jalen Brunson did, but 
similar players, I guess, like score first, smaller guards who can tend to play a little bigger than they are on the offensive end with little defensive help. I don't know. I could I could see him at least, you know, having a role on this team and, and they could definitely use a scoring burst off the bench, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean Kemba is I, I I want him to be kind of almost like a poor man's Jalen Brunson, right? Where he's a smaller guard, but he can create his own shot and he's not afraid to drive into the lane. I don't really know what to expect from Kemba, but I'm hoping that that's something that at least even if he doesn't do that, but maybe someone who can run the offense for a little bit, let Luca play off ball a little bit. You know, take some yeah. of that usage, take some of that volume off Luka Doncic because at the end of the game, we've seen this, I think 80% of the games this year where when Luca's having crazy games, teams are just going to double him in the fourth quarter if he's taking the ball up the floor. And the Mavs have, you know, with Dinwiddie a little bit, experimented with having Luca coming off some off-ball screens to get him the ball that way or to try to, you know, mismatches on smaller defenders. And I think Kemba could be someone, and like I said, I don't really know what his role is going to be, but I think he could be someone who they'll have confidence taking the ball up the court, running the offense, and that way they can, you know, strategize, make plays to get Luca open off the ball to get him, you know, out of those double teams. That's really what I'm hoping from Kemba. I don't think Kemba's going to put up the numbers Brunson did last year or even close to that, but just maybe take a little bit of the stress off Luca. Stress off Luca, maybe even stress off Dinwiddie. Like yeah. Dinwiddie's been doing everything as the second guard for them. Just any kind anything that if he can offer any bit of scoring and shooting and and stay healthy 15 minutes, I think that that's a win. Win for the Mavs cuz yeah, they just need they they need any additional scoring. I think on this roster, it's hard avenues to try to find it. This is a good way, and I think this is a great locker room move. Regardless, yeah. he's going to be a great guy to kind of galvanize that locker room and just be a leader in there, and just a guy that's been through a lot, been through the league, been around. Cuban was definitely won over by his smile. Oh yeah, I feel, I feel yeah. Like wanna, how long a, do you think Cuban? I think Cuban's guy. wanted Kemba for like seven. Yeah. Years. <laughs> like they probably had free agent meetings, calls, and yeah. just never worked out. He's like, I'm getting this guy in here. You no know, ifs, ands, or buts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really think the the biggest thing we don't have to spend too much time on Kemba because you know he's such a huge question mark still, mm-hmm. but. Just knocking down the three ball. And I think, Jake, that's kind of what you were getting at. Just like coming in, be able to score. You don't have to do it for long periods of time or stretches off the bench. But if he can knock down the three, because they showed a graphic at the beginning of the game, their shooters being Bertans, um, Bertans, Kleba, Tim Hardaway, I think all, and maybe even Dimwitty as well, all their three point numbers are down from last year. Hold up, too. He can't, yeah. he can't hit anything. Mm-hmm. It's been it, – yeah, and that, that's the thing, Dunny. I think that's part of the reason why they got Kemba is yeah, the Mavs. What have we said has been like the downfall of the Mavs or why we just can't trust him is because it's Luka surrounded by inconsistent shooters. Yeah. And that's what Dwayne they've been. Smith, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I don't know. So- We'll see. We'll see with Kemba and the Mavs. Um, you know, I, I kind of root for the player just because I didn't mind his time in Boston. Obviously, mm-hmm. it wasn't the right fit. Um, but I mean, it's cardiac Kemba. We've I think everyone at one point of his NBA career, whether when he was at UConn, you you grew to like the guy, you grew to like the player. Um, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. I'm sure if anyone can make a, a guy around them better, it's probably Luca. So he might fit in. The bad news, Steve Kahn touched on it, a bunch of injuries. Um, biggest one yeah. since our last show, 
Carl Anthony Towns. It looks like it was going to be a lot worse. I mean, the non-contact lower leg injury, he kind of tightened up, fell over, but he's going to miss four to six weeks uh, for the already struggling chemistry issued Timberwolves. You're done, bro. Put a put a, <laughs> a stake. You're done with them already. I'm done already? with them. Jazz I'm done with them, them for the next seven years. I'm never <laughs> touching them again. They they literally made the worst trade yes. in NBA history, and they yes. are paying for it now. Have fun. Yeah. I feel so bad for Anthony Edwards for the next four to six weeks. Get better, Cat. That's the most important thing. Hope he gets better. Hope he heals well. Yeah. But Anthony Edwards is going to hate Rudy Gobert after this next month. Like just those two being the main guys, it's not good. Not good. How about the whole? What was the quote Anthony Edwards said? Like if we if we're gonna play big, we have to play big or something like that. Um, yeah. Is he calling him this, soft? This was like a game or two before Cat's oh, no. injury. Injury. He was like, "If we're gonna play with like this two big rotation, like we have to play tough." Because like, I think the stats in that game, I, and I could, I hope not wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure they had like just got beat up on the boards and like points in the paint, and then Anthony Edwards mm-hmm. said that, and then this injury happened a few days later. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like the the T Wolves look like a bit of a disaster. I think everyone. Along with Gobert just being overrated, and I will I will die on that hill. I think he's a great defender. I think we I think all right? Yeah. <laughs> I think he rebounds at a crazy rate. Thing. And then, like, those are just the things that are surface level. Everyone knows. Like, he's a good big man. No one's denying that. But it's when you give up so much to get a guy who hasn't improved your team. I mean, they they look worse than they did last year right now. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, um, I agree. So, yeah. Gobert's an offensive li- liability. We said this yeah. when they were in Utah. It, and sometimes just, defensive. As crazy yeah, as that sounds. If they can spread the court, it's like we've seen it a, a lot of times already. And well, Maybe it will improve a little. Or figure, they can figure out how to use him with Cap being out. But... <laughs> And maybe that's chemistry they need to build, like with yeah. You know, maybe it's something that's necessary. Edwards and Gobert get a little closer. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe it's good for them. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? And D'Lo has been horrible. Which D'Lo truthers are that's tough. <laughs> well, now I like D'Angelo now with too. Cat out. With Cat out, D'Lo's gonna take 20, 25 shots a night. Yeah. And Anthony Edwards should be shooting. I think, I mean, the, the problem yeah. was probably that they didn't invest more into Ant before this trade and just kind of went that route. But now I think this injury allows them to at least play through them and see where that goes. Yeah, I'm with that. And then uh, last bit of news here, some encouraging. The other side of injury, two, two all-star guards returning to the lineup in the Eastern Conference. Chris Middleton could debut as early as Friday this week. We're currently recording this on Wednesday. And um, James Harden could be back Monday, which I'm sure Joel Embiid and every Philly fan would love to hear that. So positive on the on the flip side of injury things. Yeah, that's good. I'm, I, I'm I will really say, excited to see. Go ahead. No, I just wanted to say for Philly, I know they want Harden back. You got to give DeAnthony Melton and Shake Milton credit for what they've done to help Philly with no Tyrese Maxey or James Harden. You lose both yeah. those guys, and Embiid's still kind of playing every other day. It feels like he's trying to get fully healthy. And Milton and Melton have both been balling for the 76ers. So I will, I will give them credit there. But, I mean, 
obviously, you know, it's tough to lose a guy like Harden, so they'll be happy to have him back. But Milton, at least Milton has proved he deserves a role on this team going forward. Yeah. No, both Shake those Milton guys. Always, really he good. always just comes in and balls out, I feel like. Like, he's done with injuries. He just comes in and he's like, oh, yeah, I could put up 28 in an NBA game. Like, like nothing. Like, what are we doing here? Um, I'm I'm really excited, though, to see Chris Middleton back with the Bucks because the Bucks have been yeah. awesome to watch. And we know that they're missing their second best player. Like, it's, it's, and it's been since against your your Boston Celtics in that series. Like, I know that, yeah. that everybody – I think that's the biggest what-if of last season is what if Chris Middleton was healthy the whole playoffs. And now seeing him back, if he gets healthy, what can that team actually look like full strength again? Are they the best team in the league? Is it still the Celtics? Is it somebody else coming up? I think that it obviously helps the case. This is a older Bucks team that, that needs that as much help as they can get because they don't have the depth that they've had the last year. So – very interested to see what Chris Middleton looks like back on the floor. Happy to see him back. Yeah, for sure. The the Bucks could be scary, man. I mean, they've they've obviously had some guys step up, um, but yeah, yeah. Like we we haven't we haven't seen like full force Middleton in quite a while. I think Giannis has probably even taken another step since we've really seen them to play together at a high yeah. level, which is scary. So we may we may even seen a, a newer version of Bucks basketball. But yeah, um, and that that's that's a pretty good segue into our power rankings, the Triple H Happy Hour Hoops power rankings. Jake, you just mentioned two of the teams we have in the top three there: the Boston Celtics, Phoenix Suns, well Milwaukee Bucks, Cavs. Jake still there, even with the injury issues, and then the Pelicans, who we all kind of co-signed to start the year and realized that they they can be something special. Honorable mention, of course, Meerkat's Denver Nuggets and the Memphis Grizzlies. Is it, of course, Steve? Celtics at one? Yeah. No, the, the Nuggets. I, the Nuggets is what I was talking about. Oh, the Nuggets? I mean, <laughs> I don't know if the Nuggets would be honorable mention for me right now. I think the Nuggets are a little flawed, and I, I know I was high on them in the offseason, and I, I had their over and their win total. I just don't think they're a top five team right now. That that's the only reason I know we had a little discussion about this earlier, and that was my only thing. The Nuggets, for the most part, I know they'll set Murray out a little bit. They'll set Michael Porter out a little bit. Aaron Gordon's can have some good games, and Jokic is Jokic, obviously. But my thing to the Nuggets is I look at a team like the Pelicans. I look at a team like the Grizzlies that has dealt with injuries, but. Guys are stepping up despite those injuries. With the Pelicans, I mean, to be 12-8, and eight, I know we were all high on the Pelicans this year, but to be 12-8 and eight with Zion missing a good chunk of games, with Ingram missing a good chunk of games, with McCollum missing some games, and having guys like Trey Murphy and Herb Jones step up, having, you know, a guy like, who was it, Larry Nance off the bench or whatnot would have a couple big games. I mean, the Pelicans to be 12 well. and 8 with the injuries they've kind of dealt with has been really surprising, really encouraging. And then the Grizzlies, too. We talked about it with Jaron Jackson. They didn't have him at the start of the year. I think he's only played the last, like, six games. I think he's had four straight games over 20 points, three-plus blocks in each of those games. They lose Desmond Bain because, of course, at the same time that they get Jaron Jackson back, but they're still winning games, too. So that that was my only complaint where I was like, I don't think the Nuggets are a top five team. 
But outside of that, with, I guess, the debate on the five spot between Pelicans, Nuggets, Grizzlies, whatever other team you want to put up there, I don't think you can really debate. You can maybe debate the order, but I don't think you can debate the top four teams in the NBA right now. I think it's pretty clear cut. The four we have there, Celtics, you got the Cavs in there, you have the Suns in there, and then you got the Milwaukee Bucks. And the Suns, another team, too. Haven't had Chris Ball, but campaign stepped up in a big way. The Bucks. We just talked about it. Haven't had Middleton. True Holiday's been banged up, but they're still the Milwaukee Bucks. And then you got, and I'll let Donnie take this, but then you got the Boston Celtics who are just beating the shit out of everyone right now. It is, it has been probably a joy for Donnie to watch, but it is, in my mind, it's Celtics one, and then there's a gap, and then there's the next three teams. Oh, it's beautiful, man. It's, it's it's truly something else. I before before I go, I don't even know if how how much I'm gonna go off on the, about the Celtics, but I do want to ask you that because I, I was wondering if it was gonna come up on the show. We talk about the 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 Bucks not having Middleton right now, the Celtics not having Robert Williams, and I know the the um the Suns are missing a few guys. Do you got and I'm I, I'm not saying that this is necessarily how I think or this is true, but do you guys think that the Suns missing Chris Paul is as big of a drop off or as big as a deal as say the Celtics missing Robert Williams or the Bucks missing Chris Middleton? Because I think campaign's been doing a pretty great job, and honestly. I think CP's assist numbers would be up a little bit. I think uh, he's averaging just over five right now, but he's averaging 13 and five. I think CP's numbers at this age, at this stage of his career, and the last we saw of him in the playoffs wasn't all that great. I would argue his numbers his numbers would be pretty similar. I Yeah, I, we don't know what we're going to get from old CP. Like, we, yeah, like, and we haven't seen it for an extended stretch this year, so I'd – I think that that's that's a big unknown, and Booker has just been in the re, even whether CP comes back, whatever he comes back as. I don't think it matters honestly, though, to the success of this team because I think Booker is that good now. I think that he can be the engine behind a team that is, you know, number one in the West, probably going to be the, the favorite coming out of the West when we get to playoff time. That whole deal, I think it's be squarely on it. Like they've built a great team around him. Don't get me wrong; they still have the Jay Crowder piece. He's gonna get moved for something, and they'll get they'll get a decent return, I would imagine, for that. So this team is not what the finished product's going to be. I just any Suns game I've watched, I've just come away being like, damn, like Booker. I don't know if it's like another leap he's making, or if it's just the continued consistency of the output that he does every night, and just how much he does offensively for them. Yeah. But he's really he's just he's just one of those guys. Like he's one of the guys in the league that you can put on the floor and be like, okay, we're a title contender. And that's crazy that we've gotten to this. It's not that crazy, I guess, but I think we are at that point. Yeah, yeah. I know we were all kind of down on the Suns a little bit. And they kind of proved us wrong already. And I know Booker has been incredible, but Mikel Bridges too has really stepped up. He's really Dude, stepped up this year. He's he improved nasty, bro. by leaps and bounds I, I know we knew he was a good defender we knew he could shoot a little bit kind of a three and d guy but this year he's doing everything he's getting boards he's getting assists he's been one of the best if not the best defender in the nba right now 
and he's turned into kind of a secondary scoring option for this Suns team, and I really never saw that out of Mikael Bridges. So he's been a huge, a huge help for them this year to kind of, you know, overcome the Chris Paul injury. But, yeah, campaign has kind of filled his shoes pretty easily, and, and you're right, Jake. I mean, Booker, has, he's a walking bucket at this point. <laughs> Dude, Mikael... Mikael Bridges is kind of redefining the three and D guy in the NBA right now. Like he's his yeah. own version of that. I just looked, he's shooting 54% from three at home. That is, that is ridiculous. Like if you, if you pair that with Devin Booker, the Suns will not lose at home very much this season guys on top of that. in their last 10, he's averaging nearly two steals. And Steve, you just mentioned, he's probably the best on ball defender in the NBA. Definitely top three. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess we, we got to give our, our flowers to Mikhail too, if we're going to give the Suns props here. It's kind of yeah. wild. Yeah, Keith, I mean, and just smart of them. I mean, maybe not because it was kind of messed up their season last year, but matching the offer for Aiden and just like, no, you're going to you're going to stick it out here for, for the next couple yeah. of years. And we're he gonna, hasn't been bad. in this window and he's been decent. He's doing yeah. what he needs to do yeah. offensively. I don't think he's ever going to be a go-to 16 and scorer. 11. Yeah, like that's that's what the, he's their defensive anchor compared and next to Mikhail, and he helps him out so much in his role too, as we're talking about. So they've they've done a great job building that team out. It's very interesting to see what the Crowder piece is, and just like what that there's just some weird chemistry stuff, but they're still winning games. So what can you say? Yeah, man, the, the, the Suns look really good. Jake, you want to talk about your Cavs? They, yeah, they've been pretty good. good this year. Hey, man, I am i wouldn't have put them in this top five, to be honest. I, I think really? so you guys putting them in there was uh, a very nice thing of you to do for me. I think I would have put them right on the outside. i They fall apart with no Jared Allen. I mean, Jared Allen's not going to play tonight. We'll see what happens. They should beat up on Philly. I still think they should beat Philly, but not going to play tonight. This team is just not deep. They got no three. They have no wings. It was the biggest worry I had all year long. We're switching between guys. Isaac Okoro, he gave the a drive the other night against Toronto that I – it was the worst drive I've ever seen an NBA player make. Like, first of all, he shouldn't have <laughs> even made the drive to the basket. He had a wide-open three. They swung it all the way around. Mitchell passes up his shot, passes to Okoro, wide open. He's like, nah, I'm going to take it in. Easy layup to go. He was on the right side. Easy layup to go to the right side. Tries to, like, draw contact. Throws his whole body into this dude. It is, like, looks like a, like some kind of angle that way. And then, like, doesn't even hit the rim on the layup and falls down. And I'm like, you are the worst. It's just so bad. And he's starting. Like, he's getting starting minutes. They can't trust Lamar Stevens because he can't play offense. Dean Wade gets bullied. Levert. Levert is a whole other story. I know he went off against your Celtics, Donnie. That if he didn't have that game, his stats would be horrific this year. I shit you. Yeah, not. man. He's been a mess offensively. So they, they need to figure out that position. That's and I don't know what that's gonna do later on in the year, but they also have four guys who can match up with any four guys in the league. So it's mm. it's a weird, weird thing. Yeah, man. I <laughs> I've thought this about Karis LeVert for a while. Like, he he loves cooking the Celtics. He loves to have these huge, monstrous games. And then he'll go quiet for a while, too, which it's 
it sucks because it can add to like how good your your team can look when a guy like him is on. And then you're like, okay, wait, where's the scoring tonight when like say Donovan Mitchell's on the bench or like Garland's having an off shooting night, whatever the whatever the case may be. Lavert is one of those guys you're like, if you could just play a smidge more consistently, like that would that would make, you know, just that would be mean the world to the squad. So yeah, I, that's that's really and I, I watched the Cavs more closely towards the beginning of this year when they're fully healthy. But even when they're healthy, that's really the only only thing that you can point to with your guys' squad. It's like just that secondary level of scoring where you you'd you'd want to know night to night, like more specifically Uh-oh, where it's coming from. It's an adventure, man. It's sometimes right. it's like I said, this is the Chetty the Chetty Osman experience. Like he some yes. nights. Looks like the best shooter in the league. Some nights literally will hit the Some side of the he's backboard. Getting memed threes. to death. Yeah. <laughs> and exactly. that's like what the whole, all the set of role players are. Yeah. So it is the biggest hole. And I don't know what they're going to do. Bill Simmons mused about a Caruso trade if the Bulls blow it up. Cleveland being interested in there would love that. But he also mentioned the Warriors looking at a guy like him. I don't think, and if it gets to in a bidding war with any team, I don't think they can do that. But that's the exact kind of piece they need next to. Mitchell and Garland because they just need somebody who's who is just going to be able to take on those number one responsibilities on any wing defender because it's really weird like every game you're going to see a new person basically like against the Celtics it'll probably be Lamar Stevens or somebody like that who's bigger tonight I don't remember I don't know who's going to be starting tonight it, it it's probably going to be a Coro or so oh, well there's no Allen tonight so the other night last game they went with Mobley Garland a Coro Dean Wade and um, who am I missing? Mitchell. And it's like that, that lineup defensively just terrifies me, just absolutely yeah. terrifies. And this is another big thing too, is that needs to develop over the next couple of years. Mobley is not great at the five and Mobley without J- Jared Allen on the floor, the offensive rating goes down and the d- defensive rating goes up both bad things. Bad things yeah. happen when Mobley is not on the floor with Jared, without Jared Allen. That's something that he's going to need to work on filling in and getting into that build a little bit or just being more of a force himself offensively. If you go to if you go to Cavs Reddit, it's all about Mobley. It's literally yeah, it's just probably all just the Mobley. confidence thing. When you have a guy like that behind you and you're playing the four and like you you can, you know, help with the interior, but you're not the the main the mainstay in protecting the paint, like it's, it's that's just probably so much more confidence for him. He's like, okay, I could play free and block shots when I. Please. I just think I even just think the whole team, like Jared Allen, is just he's oh, yeah, the, he's an aggro what, the second he's too. the second third best defensive center in the league. Maybe like Gobert, yeah. Giannis, I think I'd put ahead of him, and then he's probably right there. And then yeah, offensively, he's a force. Like he could go twenty five and twenty in a game, and you wouldn't be surprised. The lob threat. Like the vertical spacing that they get just from having Allen on the floor, especially yeah. running up and down with Garland. Garland and Garland and Mitchell just want to throw the ball to Jared Allen on lobs all day long. Like that's all they're looking for. Um, and even to Mobley too. Like this team, I don't know if that's a stat. Probably is somewhere. But the Cavs have to be super high in the league on oops and lobs right now this year because it's, it's a huge part of their offense is the vertical spacing. And when they take that guy, I mean – that's why I tried to, I was talking to my friends about it today. Like if Allen's not on the floor, it's literally a team of three all-stars and a number three pick, and then a bunch of 
you know, role players and everything else. If you take out an all-star, what do you think is going to happen? They're not going to, yeah. of course, they're not going to be the same team. It's just the, 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 the construction of the roster at this point, And you got to kind of live with it. Yep. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, who else haven't we talked about here in the power ranks? Pelicans. I mean, we kind of touched on like, it's just been incredible, They're, man. They might be the best yeah. team in the West. I might take back my son's topic because oh, damn, bro. Damn. Steve talks about it. Like they've been that you know, there's been times where they're missing Ingram, McCollum and Ingram, McCollum, Ingram, and Zion. And then yeah. like they're still they winning still win? games. They still win. It's crazy what they're doing. How about Jose Alvarado, man? Like, Jose Alvarado. I didn't think Grand he was gonna have staying Alvarado. I thought it would be like, oh, it was a nice story in the playoffs last year, and he'll be back to like seven and two or something yeah right and no he's he's a he's gonna be a role player in this league forever like trey murphy this guy where the fuck did he come this from this guy could win six man of the year the way he's <laughs> yeah. been playing trey murphy it's like oh mccullum's out murphy's like all right i'll just get eight assists tonight they're like oh ingram's out murphy's like all right i'll just score 25 they're like oh zion's out he's like all right i'll just get 12 boards off the bench like yeah. whatever you need murphy to do he's been doing and then I know we love this guy. He's a darling. But Herb Jones, defensively, is he'll shut anyone down. Play the game last night, taking a charge on SGA, which first everybody knew SGA was going to drive the ball in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. But still, he's the guy in that spot to make that play. If he was in the league when I was in high school, Herb Jones would have been my favorite player without <laughs> a doubt. Like, oh, that yeah. is just like those are the types of players I was drawn to when I when I still played and I was like he is just everything that I like liked in the game of basketball Herb Jones is put into one. Yep. His defense is just awesome, man. Like it's it's incredible really. He's the perfect type of teammate, right? Because it's not like he's afraid to shoot, but he'll only shoot wide open looks. He'll take good mm -hmm. looks. It's not like he won't shoot him. He will, and he can shoot. He can drive if he needs to, but he knows that's not his role on this team. He knows what his role is. He's like, I'm just going to be a workhorse defender, and he's just going to stretch the floor in the offense. And Herb Jones is, you know, he's not a flashy draft pick. He's not a guy who's ever going to, you know, fill a box score with the type of numbers people are going to go wild on. But he's someone who can absolutely average around 10, 12 points, get a handful of boards, have a few assists, and then multiple blocks and seals every game. And outside of that with the box scores, he's going to shoot an efficient rate. And what they're not going to show in the box score is what he's going to hold his defenders to that he's guarding. Herb Jones yeah. is one of the most physical and best on-ball defenders in the NBA, and he's in his second year in the NBA. He's like 22 years old. Like it's like what yeah. are like the Pelicans are just getting home runs with these guys right against, now. Against Shea last night or the other night, uh, Herb Jones' defense. Shea was two for nine, 22 percent, zero for three, three pointers, four forced turnovers, three block shots. Incredible. So that's against a guy who is lighting up literally everybody in the league. Yeah, and we we talked about how Mikael Bridges is like kind of this new wave of three and D players. Yeah. Herb Jones is like the epitome of like the old school three and D guys, but just like more athletic. Yes, like he he reminds me, and this. This isn't a discredit to Herb Jones. I think he's slightly better and will probably have a better career just because what we've seen so far, like you said, it's his first two years. But Herb Jones reminds me a lot of young Trevor Ariza, like okay. Rockets, Lakers mm -hmm. days. 
he he'll hit the open shot, but he's not like he's not dying if he's not taking them. He's right. not demanding that he gets shots in the offense, but he'll knock down the open three. I think he's a lot more athletic than Ariza, and he's a better on ball defender. But like just as far as playing style, length, like just kind of does everything right. He's a team guy, like you said, Steve. Uh, he's he's just fun to watch, and a lot of teams and a lot of good teams like dive to have guys like this on their roster. Yeah, and he's and he's kind of just like an afterthought, but he's the real deal. Yeah, it's a, he's like an unsung hero, right? No one's yeah. gonna watch a Pelicans game where Zion drops thirty five and be like, talk about Herb Jones after the game. He's not gonna have the post game interviews. He's not gonna have the flashiness. But what Herb Jones does is he just helps out everyone around him. Herb Jones is someone who can just be in the paint and you kick it to a corner three of a guy who thinks he's wide open. And within half a second, Herb Jones and his gigantic wingspan is there putting a hand in your face, making that a contested shot. I mean, he just makes it so much easier for the players around him. And this is why I was saying that the Pelicans had to be in our top five is because we haven't really seen outside maybe one or two games this team with at full at full strength, right? With everyone healthy, everyone good to go. And when we do, that could be electric because I don't really see a starting five. There may be a couple in the NBA that matches up with this starting five right now. It, it is ridiculous. The just amount of versata- versatility they have, as well as just options, both offensively and defensively. Because we talk about Herb Jones' defense. Zion Williamson is a fantastic defender too. Yep. Yeah. That's a great point. What you just made. Cause that was my going to be what I jumped in on to finish off with the Pelicans is that they, they can literally play any game they want. They can yeah. play, they yeah. can run up and down the floor with you. They can play. You want to shoot threes all night and play high transition. Sure. We'll do that. You want to, you want to play a bully ball game. Fine. We'll just throw it low to Valanchunas and Zion and go yeah. to the line all game. And, and let Ingram. Solid. Larry yeah. Nance is a great defender inside and and a great three point shooter threat too. Like they have guys that are just not even just the team. All the guys are multiple too. Like it's yeah. they're going to be really fun to see, especially when it comes around playoff time. What kind of matchups and stuff that they try to exploit and everything. Yeah, do you guys? Uh, let's uh, let's get into the the rest of the topics here. Yes, sir. We're just going to go down talk about the Utah Jazz. Lakers, couple struggling teams, and then uh, some some players that we've we've had our eye on, and maybe maybe the the national media attention isn't all the way on them or as much as they should be. But let's start with the Utah Jazz. <laughs> they come back down to earth. It's kind of crazy. I think we fool we double fooled ourselves because after the first week we were like, all right, they could easily you know fall down the rankings, mm-hmm. and then two or three weeks in, they're like, okay, they're still at the top of the West. What's going on? A week ago, the Utah Jazz were the one seed in the Western Conference. Uh, as of yesterday, they were ninth. I believe that's yeah. still the case. Yes, today. Um, so yeah, I mean. Kind of fizzled out, right? We thought we thought this one might happen with the Jazz. Still super impressive what they're doing. Laurie Markkinen is on God mode right now. Um, but yeah, where, where do you guys where are you guys at with the Jazz? I mean, kind of to be expected as far as my opinion on it. But they might also be in full Wembenyana mode because let's not forget Danny Ainge is their present president of basketball operations. Yeah. He loves the draft. He loves prospects. What do you guys think? 
They're definitely sneaking into Wemby mode. Go ahead, yeah. Steve. <laughs> I, I think it's kind of uh, kind of almost a perfect situation for the Jazz here where they've had these players that are potential trade targets that have mm. played really well to start the year and got them noticed, right, because they started off hot. Now they are losing a little bit. They've lost five straight. They're kind of slowly falling out of the playoff race. But guess what, man? Someone's going to want Jordan Clarkson. Someone's going to pay for Jordan Clarkson the way he's been playing. We talk about Lori Markin. I don't know if the Jazz would trade him, and I don't know if someone would pay they as should. much as the Jazz Honestly, would Honestly, they, they really should. This is a perfect opportunity to sell high on Lori. Jake knows. He's, he, Jake knows. They really it's should. The perfect opportunity to sell high on Lori. You got a guy like Mike Conley as well, too. I mean, the Jazz are kind of – in that situation where they can do what they want, right? They were overachieving at the start of the year, like you said, Donnie. Everyone was balling out, playing well. Honestly, Malik Beasley and Colin Sexton playing pretty good off the bench, too. Sexton's kind of stepped in as the starter with Conley out for a little bit. And now you're right around 500. You've lost five straight. You're probably not going to win anything this year. You look at your roster, it's not that talented. A lot of guys are playing well. But if you really want to just go for it, now's the perfect time. Because you've been noticed. The, the NBA has noticed the Jazz from the way they started. And they've yeah. noticed the type of play that guys like Lori and uh, Clarkson have been putting up this year. So I would not be shocked in the slightest. They're not going to do like a middling thing here, right? They're either going to just stick no. with the roster they got or they're going to blow the whole thing up. And I'm rooting for option B just because I'd love to see where everyone goes. I love chaos and I love the trade. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see trades all over the place. And I think Utah could definitely be uh, one of the top, you know, teams to potentially blow it up if they keep on losing. Here's the thing, though. Maybe maybe they're like, we don't need to blow it up. The Timberwolves are already blowing up enough. That's true. the year, Edwards is like, fuck this guy. and just starts yeah. phasing out Goubert, like. They're really set up so well to do really that. That's a good point. And just definitely monitoring that Minnesota situation closer than we think. Oh, yeah. Has to be. That's Yeah, that's a really good point. And are they and a I team that later in the year, in the summer, like if they have two of those high picks and they have these guys, maybe they keep them around and they're like, okay, we're actually just going to pick Wembenyana and then trade for Zach Levine or something like that. Yeah. And just and just yeah. okay, now I have two building blocks in Colin Sexton. Let's go. Like let's yeah. let's let's ride in the future. Um, that's very I feel possible. like that's something there's so many options that they can do. Mm -hmm. So and it's not like when we talk the trade route with them, it's not just one guy. I mean we've already what mentioned two, three guys here that they legitimately could trade and that have not only high value, but um there's there's a market for these guys. Like there's a demand for a Mike Connolly. There's a demand for a Jordan Clarkson. And obviously, we we I don't have no idea what you can even value Laurie at right now. <laughs> but if you're me and you just saw Gobert go for however many firsts he did over the summer, I would have much rather spent those on a guy like Laurie when it comes down to it. Obviously, I wouldn't, and I don't think any right. sane person should, but Rudy shouldn't have gone for those. So, like, if no, we're putting this in perspective, what the hell is Lori Marketing's trade value right now? It's through the roof. Lori's averaging 22-8 and eight this year. He's Lori shooting 53% from the floor, 39% from three, 81% from the line. 
I mean, and it's it's the way he's been playing too. If you watch these games, Lori has looked. I I did not expect to see this the way we've seen Lori the past the couple of years. He's attacking this yeah. year, exactly, yeah. Jake. He he's is mad. attacking. He's getting his own shot. He'll pull up on you. He doesn't care. He's driving into the lane, and it's. When the Jazz need a bucket, and I can't believe I'm saying this, when the Jazz need the bucket, they're like, all right, let's run the offense through Laurie Markin and it's Jordan Clark. <laughs> Laurie is a guy they're looking to run the offense through when they need a bucket. It's crazy what he's been doing this year. Well, you must, like, at some point it must be, and I don't know, I shouldn't say it must be, but, like, you would imagine Will Hardy must have just, like, whether it's at the very beginning of the season or, like, at some point, yeah, you know, at the start of the season, he was probably just like to these guys, like the Malik Beasley's, the Colin Sexton's, the Laurie Markkinen's, Clarkson, whoever. He's probably like, look, guys, we have a unique situation. None of us were together, you know, at the at the end of last year. We're all kind of here. We're all pretty good basketball players here. Like, just go play free. Go yeah. go try to win games together, and yeah, we'll you know we'll deal with the results. And also, maybe Will Hardy is just the boy genius that everybody yeah. has told us that he is too. Yeah. Like that that could be part is. of He's it. He's a really good coach. <laughs> um, can we talk about the Lakers and how sad they are? <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny we tried to talk about the Jazz there in a negative, and it ended up just all being positive. So <laughs> because we knew we were coming into, bro. I watched. I've told you how many times guys i try to watch as many laker games as i can because i try to appreciate with my lebron james games yeah of course i can but it's been increasingly hard for me to watch these laker games this year for obvious reasons but i stayed up for i fell asleep like the middle of the third quarter but watched most of the first half against the, the pacers the other day and it was just so sad, man. Like, just watching that team, like, being like, is this really an NBA team out on the floor together? Oh, it is actually an NBA team on the yeah. floor? Oh, my gosh. And don't get me wrong, AD has looked incredible. He's been great this year. Yeah. There's just nothing else, man. There's just yeah. nothing else. And you put here the body language. It's it's pretty bad. Body it, it language is bad. bad. Bron is minus 51 on the year. I, would, I thought minus. that was a joke when one of you guys put that in there, bro. That's I, crazy. I, yeah, that, that stat blew my mind when I saw it, too. Minus 51. And I think that they should be trading Anthony Davis yesterday, to be honest. And you yeah. want to talk about selling high on Lori Marketing? I think that they should be oh. like put a put. A, there should have been a Black Friday sale on Anthony Davis. Like you, I think you could still there. get a lot for Anthony Davis. I really oh, they definitely can. Yeah, the way he's been playing this year too. I mean, he's been killing. There are there are multiple contenders in the league who would offer packages for Davis. I think absolutely. I think I, that the Pelicans yeah. would be one of those teams. To be honest, I think that really? you could do like a balance shoot. Imagine if they had Zion and AD and ingram as your front line like it's pretty hard to go they're a team i think that the bucks would call about and offer holiday and middleton and just be like hey we'll take ad and god like i think that there would be crazy trade offers that you wouldn't think about because if you pair him with a guy like that or with guys with size like that that can help him defensively he might be the best offensive player in the league we just don't know it because he's had to anchor the lakers defense for the last four years chicago Send Levine and Patrick Williams to the Lakers. Get rid of Vucevic. Put Vucevic in there. Honestly, yeah. yeah. I would do Vuce. I would I would try to keep Levine and send everybody else. Like Vuce, yeah. Vuce DeRozan. I, know, I doubt White. the Lakers would do it without Levine. If they're sending AD. You do That's a Vuce, really Levine, and a few picks, Lakers would probably take that. I was going to say DeRozan and AD would be nasty too. 
Yeah. Roseland AD would be nasty. I do think that is another situation I'm monitoring is I think the Levine trade is sooner than later. Really? Sooner than later. They're they're done, man. We talked about it last year, I think, a couple yeah. times. Just DeRozan aging. Vucevic couldn't play defense even last year, and it's even worse this year. Like it's, it's not he couldn't play defense in Orlando. No, he couldn't <laughs> play defense. Ever, never play defense. Ever play defense. <laughs> Uh, it was the, the trade of all trades, the one that we saw rumored, me and Jake kind of uh, shared our opinions on Twitter already. Steve, I'm curious. AD for Rob Will, are you doing that if you're the Boston Celtics? I it's, mean, it's got to be a package. Gonna have to, it's a package. It's not AD yeah. for Rob Will. It's a lot of picks. It's probably a couple depth guys. My biggest thing, why I wouldn't if I'm the Celtics, if I'm it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Yes, you're that's 17 and four. Your your offense has been historically good this year, and you're getting one of the best defenders in the NBA back, and I just in a little bit of time. So yeah, you could maybe make a big splash pack and stuff together. But the Celtics have depth. They have the star power. They have the offense. They have the defense. They have the coaching. It looks like don't. Don't change anything. Only change something if you need to, right? And I know you're the Celtics fan, Donny, so I guess you can touch on this more than me. But from what I've watched from the Celtics this year, I, I don't really see any glaring weakness. So why switch anything up? Just keep rolling with what you got. Maybe if it gets closer to the deadline and you need to do something, make a splash, whatever. But right now, Donny, I mean, you're sitting back, you're kicking your feet up, and you're like, all right, are we going to win by 30 or 40 tonight? That's the yeah. mindset of a Celtics fan right now. So why why switch any of that up? I think you I, win by 50 yeah. or 60 if you add Anthony Davis <laughs> to the Boston Celtics. Jalen <laughs> Brown, Jason Tatum, and Anthony Davis together would be unstoppable. Yeah, I, unstoppable. I agree, but they're going to have to give up a ton. They'll lose some depth, and if Anthony Davis gets hurt, which he has the That's past true. you know few seasons, then it's kind of like why would you switch up a team that was what seventeen and four and averaging? I would, yeah, I would say right now game. would not be the best time to make yeah. this deal right. to be discussed. But I just think if that's on the t- we know first of all we know how much Brad was enamored with AD when they yes. were they mm-hmm. the the Celtics wanted ad as bad as anybody else in the world it was right he also said he didn't time. want to play in boston too so. he did well trade you know <laughs> yeah i do what you gotta do <laughs> that, that that's broad i think he'd take boston right. over la at this point yeah turns out i like the cold yeah, yeah. <laughs> no but I, I just I, go ahead go ahead no, I was that 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 last point Steve made is kind of it for me because obviously I can see it. Like I'm not, I understand. Basically, it's I think we win the championship this year if we have AD. But the thing is, we already have a pretty good chance. I think. Yeah, definitely. And the last thing Steve said, it's like AD gets hurt. Obviously, Rob Will also gets hurt. Like we're waiting for him to come back to injury. So if it was like a one-one. It, it's a no-brainer, but that wouldn't be the case. Steve brought up the depth. Right now, we're waiting for Rob to come back. The reason we're able to succeed is because of our depth. Mm-hmm. If we trade that depth for Anthony Davis, he goes out. We're, we, we have a different problem. So, that that's just kind of where I'm at. I think – I'm with you, Jake. Like, it probably looks like the Lakers first the, – the Lakers title run that they had in the bubble. Like, it'd better. probably be like, holy shit – Better. Who is this group? And it's LeBron James. Oh, yeah, it would be better. I mean, like, you have 
obviously Tatum and Brown, neither of them are playing at the level that LeBron was at. Well, Tatum is playing at that level. Oh, no, Tatum, Tatum is playing at that level. Yeah. He is no, playing he at is that level. right now. He is yeah. like he legitimately. There's nobody else. I the forgot I could say I shit can... like that. Like that. This <laughs> you year. can actually say it now, and it's fine. Yeah. No, like he is legit. Like, if there's anybody that is LeBron James from 2011 in the NBA right now, it's Jason Tatum. I don't. Luka Doncic. I'm sorry. <laughs> listen, listen. Luka, when Luca, when Luca can make an, a 15, Luca would have sounded better. That's when we can. Game. That's when we can talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Offensively, yes. Offensively, yes. That, yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. So yeah, well, I'm holding off on the the Rob Will AD trade right now, but Lakers, man, that's fine. and I was gonna put this in the news. Pat Bev, bro, he got suspended. It's not really news anymore. But, like, as bad as he's played, like, numbers-wise, he's the only heart this fucking team has. Yeah. He, he was he was willing to stick up for Austin Reeves. Who the hell else on this roster was sticking up for <laughs> Austin Reeves, man? They made no a one. great point that they didn't need the, – the problem with Pat Bev on that roster is they didn't need, like, Timberwolves, Pat Bev, like, trying to galvanize the squad. They yeah. needed, yeah. like, edgy Pat – and I think that that's what this is turning to is they need edgy – like annoying ass Pat Bev. They don't need him. Like he doesn't. LeBron and Russ don't need a pep a pep talk from Pat Bev, which is no. hilarious. It's hilarious to see those video early videos of him hyping him up, like getting in the huddle on the mm-hmm. side and everything. It's like imagine just just imagine you are in this scenario, Russell Westbrook, and we've all had guys like Pat Bev on all of our teams in, in mm-hmm. the past and everything, and just hearing that in your head, like yeah, I could see it. I see where they're coming from. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see, man. Lakers, right now, the check-in is no hard for the Lakers. Um, (laughs) We'll we'll throw this guy into the players we're watching, and we'll just end with, you know, talking about an assortment of guys who are fucking incredible this year and really getting no love. Jaron Jackson, I know – we we all like this guy. It, it's been oh. he just hasn't been on the court much. He's like, been so good since weird. he's been back. He's last, been so good since he's been back. Yeah, the thing that stuck out to me, and I put it in here, his last five games, he's had sixteen blocks, and two of those games were five block games. He's had two games in his last five where he's had five blocks in each game. I mean, I, I put this here, too. I know we just talked about Rob Williams, but, like, in my eyes, Jaron Jackson, like, does similar things and has a more well-rounded offensive game than Robert Williams mm-hmm. and just doesn't really get the same media attention. I don't know if you guys feel that way or if it's just because I see more Rob stuff because I'm a Celtics fan, but I feel like they're very – I mean, like, who – both those guys were in the Defensive Player of the Year discussion all year last year. He just gets overshadowed by Ja. That's really it. That's Jaron Jackson, last four games, he's had over 20 points in all four of them. But, you yeah. know, Ja probably scores 30. So everyone's talking about Ja. But Jaron Jackson is, I mean, he, he's very good offensively, too. He can stretch the floor. And the big difference between him and Rob is Rob, yes, great defender, shot blocker, you name it, him, Jared Jackson, go toe for toe for that. But offensively, Jaron Jackson will make open shots. He will make the wide open threes. He will take those type of shots. And Jaron Jackson, I just can't wait, guys, because I've always been a huge Jaron Jackson fan. I think he's a great player, super underrated. You know I have Ja as one of my sleeper picks for MVP this year, and now it looks like it's a Tatum versus Luka two-man battle. But we know what Ja's capable of. And, of course, when Jackson comes back, Desmond Bain gets hurt. And I know we don't. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago, but Desmond Bain's a guy who's averaging like 25 a night, you know, yeah, five nice. assists, five boards. When we see this core healthy together, John Morant, 
Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson, watch out, rest of the league, because Jaron Jackson looks fully healthy again, good to go. Desmond Bain somehow looks like he took another leap in year three, and John Morant's John Morant. And they're they're also very young too. <laughs> like, and they're just gonna be, keep playing together, keep getting better together. So I'm very excited to see this. It's very. I was a little worried because I thought Jackson was gonna be out till mid December when it was first, you know, kind of reported in the off season. But he looks a hundred percent. He looks all the way back, and that's a great sign for the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. JJJ back for the Grizz. Is a good thing. You mentioned it. It sucks. Like the be- the Desmond Bain and him kind of just flip flopped in and out of the roster. But obviously, you know, Bain's not going to be out for long. We talked about that when he first got injured. So Grizzlies still on the watch, still doing great. Who who else? Are you guys, Jake, pick someone we'll off this list of guys here. Well, we talked about marketing a little bit, but tonight the biggest my this is the game I've been waiting all season oh, for this. Game. I know this what's game, game you talked about. The league best game Bowl. of the year. Yes. The Indiana Pacers traveling to the Sacramento to take on the Kings. Oh, the beam team. Tyrese Halliburton return game going in there, and it's Halliburton and Fox are gonna be the headliners. Ben Matherin obviously been playing outstanding. We've talked about him at length, but it's about these two guys who have been outstanding after they got separated from each other. And honestly, one of the biggest win-win trades I think we've had in a while, like I Sabonis has been amazing for the Kings. They're look like a legit team, but yeah, yeah. Stevie, this is, I knew you'd be locked into this oh, one too. I'm literally looking forward to it so much I, to turn that on on league pass tonight. I'm watching this entire game. I can't <laughs> wait for it. Tyrese Halliburton has been unconscious unconscious lately this year let's just his last five games just the assists 14 14 14 11 15 and he's averaging around 20 points a game this year and i i was like you know what it was a huge mistake we all said why are the kings trading away tyrese halliburton but you know what sometimes you got to give up something you want to get something in return that you want. And if the season ended today, and I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but the season ended today, both the Indiana Pacers and the Sacramento Kings are in the playoffs. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Right. And they both, both of them, maybe the Pacers more than the Kings, but they both have promising futures. And it's actually kind of crazy too, with the Pacers being 12 and eight. I did not realize that. It, oh, it, yeah. Like when you guys were like, yeah, power rankings, and I was like, the Pacers are twelve and eight. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's real. Ben Matherin could win Rookie of the Year and Six Man of the Year at this. Point. Oh, like, very, very <gasps> like should be the favorite. All by you, both Stevie. Of them. Dude, he's he's a walking bucket, man. Yeah. I watched it because Arizona is was like my late night college basketball team from last year, so I watched Matherin play almost every single night. He is uh, – I expect him to be good this year, but, man, he is just a walking bucket. Just start him, Pacers. I, I hate this so much where it's like, oh, yeah, he's our he's our sixth man, and then he comes off the bench and plays 30 minutes. It's like just start him. 
Because yeah. half the time I watch it, a Pacers game. It won't game. happen until February. With I know. <laughs> and that's the thing. The Pacers will be down 24 to like 10 midway through the first quarter. I'm like, what's going on? And then I check end of first quarter and it's like 32-31. Ben Matherin has 14 points off the bench. It's like, just yeah. start him. Don't put yourself in that hole. But yeah, he Dunny, he's really uh, impressed me this year. I, I've always loved Ben Matherin. He's my fa- one of my favorite rookies coming out of this draft class. And I mean the Indiana Pacers having Halliburton and Matherin going forward that guard combo. He put LeBron's brain in a pretzel the other night. That that shit he said at the beginning of the year where he was like, I want LeBron to prove that he's better than me this season because he doesn't think which I like when I actually like when any athlete says that they just believe that they're the best because it's like those are usually the best. You have to, yes. Because I have that mindset. You have to. And Draymond's kind of corny when he talks about it, but it's it's true when he says it. Like he's like, if like, what are you doing here if you don't believe that? If you don't Love believe that. you're the best yeah. defender or whatever. Anyway, so he says that. Then he kind of backtracks it before the game when he starts getting all the questions about. It. He's like, no, listen, like I think LeBron's the goat. He was like, that's just kind of my mentality. Mm-hmm. And then he outscores LeBron, and they win in a 17 point comeback. Yep. <laughs> he has LeBron's mind in a pretzel. Outscored him while he was like guarding LeBron too. Yeah, yep. like LeBron was guarding him. He was guarding LeBron. He outscored him, and they got one more rebound. And it's like, oh, that—that's got to make you feel good too, if you're Ben Matherin, right? After saying all that, and then you play one of your best Macking games of the year against LeBron yeah. James, and they were on a back to back. Like that's yeah. the thing yeah. too. They weren't. They were the comeback disadvantage. They yeah. usually second half back to backs. Oh yeah, we're gonna end up losing by eighteen or whatever. Oh, no, seventeen point comeback. Jesus, man. Yeah, um, they're fun the Pacers are fun to watch. Again. Side. Well, like like you said, Steve. Both these teams. It's, yeah. it's it's crazy how they're both like above average and pretty pretty freaking good in their respective conferences. The Kings are so much fun, dude. I thought just I'll, as we wrap up here. Uh, I just wanted to mention Jalen Brunson and Porzingis, both former Mavs, both <laughs> crushing, dude. Like now they couldn't I, do anything about Brunson. They couldn't do anything about Brunson. Yeah. And Dinwiddie is playing amazing. Dinwiddie's been. Dinwiddie's been. I think great. Porzingis. It's just like, dude. Sometimes you just need to change your scenery. I just don't Agreed. think he matched with Porzingis or Luca, and it could be as simple as that. But it is kind of wild. Porzingis, twenty-four points per game, two blocks per game, forty percent from three over his last ten games. That's a fun-ass team in Washington, man. I've had yeah. so much fun watching Kuzma's the Wizards this like year. One, Kuzma's a one in Washington, and it's just, like, working. Yeah, and, and Brunson, too. I That was kind of one of the more, like, big contracts I was skeptical of in the offseason. Yeah. I was like, yeah, he was kind of, you know, the B option to Luka. Like, I, I didn't think he'd be able to kind of run the offense on his own. He's been the next best player this year. The exact opposite of what we thought. Great. And we that's like, RJ is going to take over. Yeah. <laughs> no, no Bronson's Jalen Brunson. Bright lights in New York. It's like, oh, he got paid all this money. So much pressure does not matter. And Brunson's a guy I can always root for, even back in the Villanova days. He's just, he's just a smaller guy, but he plays like he's a 6'6 point guard. And that's what I love about Jalen Brunson. Like, he's, you know, for short kings everywhere. This guy, he's a smaller guy, but he plays like he's 6'6". He plays physical. He will he doesn't care who's guarding him. He'll still cross you over and make a shot. And I mean, props to Brunson. I did not expect to see this this quickly in New York, and he's he's really surprised me. Out of the list we have here, obviously we talked about Laurie. That was probably the most surprising. The others, you know, guys I was kind of high on, Brunson, 
just, I, I mean, he blew my expectations out of the water this year. I thought it was going to be almost not a disaster, but kind of a disappointment for the Knicks for the money they paid him. It's been the opposite of that. He's he's basically been the their team. Yeah. Dude. All right. All right, those are the players we've been watching. You guys should, too. I think that'll do it for the show, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Happy All to right. be back. Happy to be back. Basketball in full swing. It's a great time. So follow us at Happy Hour Hoops 1. Subscribe wherever you're here.